Hello, welcome to the This Line podcast from Texas Reason. I am Adrian Osegaram. This is our first episode, episode one, We the Citizens. So a little housekeeping to begin with, just a little background on why we're using this format of podcasts and uh, what the philosophy is. There are a lot of write-ups on our website that are long, and we understand as citizens it's not always easy to visit candidate websites to look at all the information they have to offer. So we wanted to provide a podcast as a different format that you could maybe on your drive home from work or to work listen to these podcasts to get an idea of how this campaign kind of looks at issues and to share some ideas with you. So we think the podcast version uh, allows you to do that and gives you another way of listening to some ideas and concepts. This campaign is a little different, and we understand that. We know that this is not going to look and feel like a lot of other campaigns because we start with some kind of different ways to think about politics, and we want to kind of start with those concepts to begin Uh, Before we get into issues, and we think if we can set some expectations, it helps everybody in terms of how to start thinking about politics in a different way and how to start engaging with candidates in a different way. So in some ways, we're looking at what is that toolkit that you have uh, to start evaluating and thinking about politics in a different way. So let's start with We the Citizens. We start with citizenship because it is the building block of democracy. So where I'd like to start is with this speech from Theodore Roosevelt. This quote is widely known, and for the sake of completeness, I'm going to go ahead and read the entire quote. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, and comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Now, this speech is quite popular among celebrities, among athletes, among politicians, and I think largely because they view themselves as this person in the arena who is going against the cynics of the world. But I think if you only consider this quote out of the context of the larger speech that it was a part of, then I think you miss a big point about the last line of this and its reference to those cold and timid souls, which we'll get to here in a minute. So it's important to understand that the title of this much broader speech was not the man in the arena speech. It was Citizenship in a Republic speech, and it was given in Paris at the Sorbonne in 1910. And where Roosevelt starts, he says, look, if we were a monarchy, our success as a nation would largely depend on one individual, right? The king. Uh, Or if we were a dictatorship, likewise, our success would depend on that individual. But in a republic, when we have self-governance, where it depends on is the average citizen. And this is largely because we as citizens select our leaders. So if we think through that, then we understand that the character and quality of our leadership is largely a reflection of the character and quality of the average citizen, at least in theory. If our average citizen 
has a certain personality, if our average citizen has a certain educational level, if our average citizen is cynical, we would expect that that's going to be reflected in our leaders. And I think this is an important point to consider. If for no other reason, a lot of times when we're talking with friends and acquaintances, we get silly about politics and politicians. And we always talk about those things as they are outside of ourselves. And in effect, in a democracy, they are not outside of us. They are a direct reflection of who we are as citizens. So I want to start there as just part of rooting ourselves again in terms of what citizenship actually means and a part of establishing what our obligation is as an average citizen. To help us understand what those obligations are, let me give you an example. You know, my daughter is getting ready to go off to college, and in some ways, that is her level of democracy, right? Her level of self-governance. And what we know is that once you are a grown-up, you're saying, hey, you can self-govern yourself, right? You can start making decisions on your own behalf. But you have to be responsible for those decisions that you make. And you can assume that as we start to mature, we want to have more information. And so we're on this gathering expedition to see what others know. And we do this largely because we may not want to make mistakes, or in some cases, we're more than happy to blissfully live in ignorance. And we do make mistakes. But We understand that self-governance is hard, and we understand that there are ramifications for being prepared or not being prepared for decisions that we make. So in most cases, we want to kind of teach our children, hey, you know, try to learn X, Y, and Z. We want them to have a base level of information so that when they start having to be self-governed, they're making appropriate decisions. And when we start to think about it in that context, I think we can begin to understand that that obligation is really an obligation to ourselves, right? We are trying to be informed because I am obligated to myself to try to either survive or live the best life that I can. So obligation from the standpoint of self-governance means you're obligated to yourself to try to help yourself succeed in the best way that you can. Of course, we can adapt that model to our government and what that means. We are in charge of our government, so we have to start making better choices. And that means that as an average citizen, we have to get informed as best we can, not just about the broad strokes of an issue, but really we should begin to try to understand as much of the details as we can. Understanding we won't be able to understand them completely but we have to have enough knowledge to at least navigate the decisions and select the people that we want to represent us to navigate those decisions. Okay, this brings me to the second point, which is how complex are the issues that we face today? And I'm going to make the argument that they're quite complex. And so when we consider how complex those issues are, the question is how much can the average citizen fully understand about those issues? Now, I don't say that it's impossible. What I'm trying to say is that that's a challenged democracy. So again, we're here to make the best choices. Uh, and in order to make those decisions, we have to be as informed as possible about the issues we're facing. But those issues are more complex than they've ever been before. So just as one example, consider healthcare. Not only are you looking at complex models of 
insurance, whether it's public insurance or private insurance, those are insurance models separate and apart from the cost structures for physicians, uh, hospitals, prescription drug companies, and of course, all other service providers that are related to healthcare. Uh, Each one of those having their own separate models, having their own set of financial constraints or financial considerations. And so when you start thinking about all of that, what you understand is it's an extremely complicated um, issue to both delve into and start working on. And all of that means that it's hard for the average citizen to comprehend that or to want to take the time to comprehend that. So let's think about this in a different way. If we were a nation of predominantly, let's say, retail sales folks, people who worked in retail sales, um, and that was the majority of our population, I think that we would have a different candidate to maybe, say, solve health care than if we were a nation of predominantly healthcare professionals uh, or healthcare slash insurance professionals. And that's just simply because the pool of the average citizen would be different and the expectations for what that candidate would look like would be different. So when we think about a whole host of issues that our nation has to face and the complexity of those issues, I think this is where we start to understand that the complexity of the issues requires a highly engaged average citizen. And that reality is a challenge to our democracy, especially if the average citizen doesn't have that knowledge or doesn't have the time to acquire that knowledge. Okay, so we now can reflect on the first two points. Self-governance requires us to be engaged, but we know the complexity of those issues makes that a little bit more challenging. I think the third step is kind of a different approach to it, which is understanding just human psychology a bit. So I want to start that discussion with one, understanding what psychologically happens to us when we face a complex problem. And in some cases, those issues are so complicated that it almost triggers a flight or fight response, right? We either want to flee from the issue and just not deal with it, or we end up fighting the issue by believing uh, the issue is either not real or doesn't exist. And I think that's a normal response to very complex issues. Beyond the complexity of the issues themselves and our psychological reaction to complex issues, I think it's important just to understand psychology more broadly. This gets to that portion of the Theodore Roosevelt speech that talks about those timid souls. And here we're really talking about the cynic. So a lot of what Roosevelt was getting at that speech, the vast majority of that speech was more of a call to warning for the arena. It wasn't an inspirational speech for the man in the arena as much as it was a call of warning to the arena. In other words, we end up becoming cynical in our own right as participants in the arena who are observing leadership. But in the case of democracy, not only are we observing our leadership, we're choosing our leadership, which complicates the matter uh, even more so. But Roosevelt talks about a lot of these challenges in this particular speech. 
he'll talk about media that maybe doesn't report on things that are very productive, but rather maybe sensationalizes issues. He'll talk about the fact that many times we get caught up in the oratory of candidates as opposed to trying to get to the core of their belief systems, or maybe we don't follow up on their oratory to make sure that their deeds actually reflect what their words kind of inferenced. Uh, but I would also venture to say that our modern politics, our modern politics never gets to that point of even being able to decipher what a candidate really stands for in terms of the process of solving a problem. So we normally understand that a candidate wants something, they're really great at giving rousing speeches about things that we need, but we don't always get a sense of their approach to analyzing an issue. And that can come back to, again, knowing that they're also playing a psychological game and that they either know that you're going to get frustrated with complex issues and or they're playing to the cynic as opposed to playing in opposition to the cynic. That means that they understand that the arena is cynical and in order to appeal to that arena, they become cynical themselves knowing that they are trying to appeal to being critical as opposed to being a problem solver. Okay, so why do we mention all of this? Why do we start with citizenship? Well, let's review what we understand. Self-governing is hard. It requires a level of engagement. In today's society, that also means we're facing very complex issues that are hard to understand, and just human nature tells us we're going to have some psychological limitations just because we're dealing with people, and we also have to deal with our own psychological demons, if you will. And all this is a struggle, but I think it's important for us to reflect on this struggle because it's separate and apart from the issues that we're facing. A lot of this campaign cycle, you'll hear a lot of politicians talking to you about these are existential threats and this issues or that issues an existential threat, and they'll make the issues themselves the challenge, which is absolutely true in a lot of instances. But democracy itself, the challenge of self-governance has in and of itself some issues that are a challenge in modern times that we should at least reflect on and be aware of. Let me conclude by giving you some homework. There's another speech out there by Professor Omar Wazow, W-A-S-O-W, from Princeton in 2014. He gave that speech during a Martin Luther King Day celebration at Princeton University. So if you Google that, you'll be able to find the speech pretty easily. And I think that speech also reflects a little bit more on the complexity of issues that we face and how they're just not as overt as issues that we may have faced in uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s and even before. So I think that's another maybe data point that you can look at and reflect on in terms of some of the complexities of issues that we're currently facing and what is really going to be required to solve those issues. Listen, I have enjoyed our time today. Future podcasts will include The Kiss of Death and The Eternal Struggle. From there, we'll probably move to issue-oriented podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for our future podcast, please reach out to us at info at texasreason.com or follow us on Twitter at TXReason. And to paraphrase General U.S. Grant, we propose to fight it out on this line. Until next time.